last Wednesday, uh, Mr. Jamie approached me and he was like, hey, Brother Laza, can I talk to you for a second? I was like, yeah, what's going on? He's like, would you do me the honor of welcoming me up to the platform today? I was like, whoa, like, man, like, that's a, it was a big deal for me. It was a big deal for my, for my family. Uh, and just like I said earlier, we are all chosen by God. If God can use me to, to, to bring announcements, which is a huge deal for me. It's like I'm in the big leagues now. It feels like, <laughs> I, mean, I, mean, it, it, I mean, if he could use me, he can use anybody here. And I told Mr. Jamie, I was like, absolutely. I get to serve alongside of him on Wednesdays, and he brings it, he brings it every single Wednesday, him and Raquel. They pour into the next generation here. Uh, and it's amazing to see him uh, just share God's truth and God's word with, with, with all of them. So we, we definitely, uh, please bring him up with a warm welcome, Mr. Jamie Savannah. Good morning. Good morning. Let's jump right into it. So I have to tell you, I was telling first service, uh, yesterday afternoon, as I was attempting to put the final touches on today's message, um, I was feeling a little bit discouraged, and all of a sudden I get this text from Brother Arthur. He was texting me and Brother Brady, and we do that all the time, so it's nothing new. Um, we usually rag on each other and send scripture or what have you, make fun of each other, you know, stuff like that. Um, but the timing was perfect. It was perfect because in this text, he sent a song. And mind you, I didn't tell him or Brother Brady anything about today's message. The title, no details whatsoever. And this is a song that he sang. I'm sorry, that he sent. He didn't sing. It's all about Jesus. Can you hear me? It's all about Jesus. No, no, no. I'm not interested in any half-hearted amens. If you don't mean it, don't say it. It's all about Jesus. So if you hear from any other source, 
that there are multiple ways to get to heaven. There has to be other ways to get to heaven. It's a lie. I don't care how eloquently they say it. They can use an English accent. It's still a lie. They could use a French accent. It's still a lie. Only grace. Only faith. Only Jesus. Amen? Amen. Say it with me. Only grace. Only faith. Only Jesus. It's all about Jesus. So we've been in the midst of a sermon series entitled The Jesus Story. Brother Brady did The Jesus Story, Love Is, last week. Pastor, The Jesus Story, the week before that. And Pastor Chris and Brother Brady were covering various aspects of his nature, his personality, and character. We've learned that Jesus is love. Amen? Amen. Pastor Chris gave illustrations on how watching Jesus is watching love in action. Whereas Brother Brady referenced that familiar piece in Scripture, you know, 1 Corinthians 13, that describes what love is. But he asked us to take it a little bit further and to insert our name in that description to see, to evaluate whether or not we're putting love into action in our own lives during the hard times. Now, I don't know about you, but that was a hard karate chop to the neck for me. It was convicting because I know for a fact that most of the time, I don't do it. It was convicting. See, it's easy to smile, be obedient, and be faithful when things are going well. That's easy. Sure. But when you introduce pressure just a little bit into that situation, into our lives, can we then continue to be patient, kind, compassionate? Amen? Amen. And I'm thankful for the Holy Spirit for that conviction that he gives because it reminds me, it humbles me, it lets me know how much I need Jesus. It's all about Jesus. Can we agree that Jesus is love? Which means everything that he does is out of love. This morning, we're going to be exploring another vital part of who our Savior King is. See, the Bible gives a, a few different titles for Jesus. Now, help me out. Let's name a few. Messiah. Prince of counselor. Prince of Peace. Son of Man. Rabbi. King of Kings. Who, what? Alpha and Omega. Anything else? I am. I am. The great I am. Anyone else? Rush students? What's that? Faithful and true. Lord of Lords. Yahweh. 
What's that? The bread of who? Bread of life. No one said the word. Oh, my gosh. The word. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, I got another one for you. Wait for it. The original. That's funny. I thought that was pretty cool. The original. I'm not talking about, you know, Coca-Cola or the KFC's original recipe for that great chicken. The original. Now, yes, there are some similarities in that they are the first, but the original. Now, I'm sure you're thinking, all right, where is it going with this? Where did the original come from? John 14, 6. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is the truth. One amen. Jesus is the truth. Amen. How can Jesus so boldly claim to be the truth? Well, truth is defined as that which is consistent with the original or reality. So let's see if Jesus meets this criterion. John 1.1. 1, 1. In the beginning, the word was with God and the word was God. So Jesus, more than anyone or anything else, is consistent with the original because he is the original. He was there at the very beginning. Amen? Amen. Amen. If you don't already, get your Bibles out, notebooks. I encourage you to take notes. Rush students, let me see your notebooks. Okay, I see one. Okay. Rush students, giddy up. Okay. All right. That's all I like to see. Anyone else? Nope. Notebooks? Anyone? Tom? Okay, I see you. All right. We are going to be addressing three specific aspects about the truth. And when I say truth, I'm referring to? Jesus. You can say it louder. Jesus. Because it's all about Jesus. Do you ever wonder where the truth is? With all the fake news, different opinions, it seems like each side has their own version of truth and idea of what we should believe. It can be frustrating, even scary, and confusing to navigate all the supposed facts that we are constantly bombarded with, which is one of the many reasons why I strongly dislike social media. Now, those who know me know that I'm using the word strongly as nicely as possible. I can't stand social media. Cannot stand it. Cannot stand it. You know what? Because, you know what, I digress, I digress. Let's stay here, okay. Recap, John 1, 1, we know Jesus was there at the beginning. John 14, 6, Jesus says, I am the truth. Now let's look at John 18, 
verses 28 through 38. A little context here. So Jesus has been arrested. And he's being questioned by Pilate, who was a governor. He's the Roman governor. And in their exchange, as Jesus is responding to his questions, you can tell he's sort of uneasy. He's not comfortable with the responses that Jesus gives him. So much to the point that he sort of gets exasperated and exclaims, what is truth? So for time's sake, let's jump down to verse 33. Read with me. Then Pilate came back into his headquarters and called for Jesus to be brought to him. Are you the king of the Jews, he asked. Jesus replied, is this your own question or did others tell you about me? Am I a Jew? Pilate retorted. Your own people and their leading priest brought you to me for trial. Why? What did you do? Jesus answers, my kingdom is not an earthly kingdom. If it were, my followers would fight to keep me from being handed over to the Jewish leaders. But my kingdom is not of this world, Pilate said. So you are a king. Jesus responded, you say I'm a king. Actually, I was born and came into the world to testify to the truth. All who love the truth recognize that what I say is truth. What is truth? Pilate asked. Then he went out again to the people and told them he is not guilty of any crime. So their exchange there, Pilate was questioning what is truth. What Pilate didn't realize was that he was literally staring the truth in the face. The truth is not just a what, it's a who. Bullet point number one. Got those notebooks out? The truth is relational. So because truth is tied to the person of Jesus, there are some things we can know for sure. First, truth is not relative. It's relational. Meaning, we know what is true based on our relationship with the one who is truth. In other words, truth is not whatever we want it to be based on how we feel. Or even by culture, which is changing basically at every moment but how we feel. If we based truth on how we feel, it would literally be like a moving target. No one could catch it because our emotions fluctuate. They change all the time. So truth is rooted in Jesus who invites us into a relationship with him. And in that relationship, we see in action what the Apostle Paul describes in 1 Corinthians 13. Love is kind, patient, not jealous. Those are easy emotions to handle. 
Yes? Very attractive qualities. Patient, kind, not jealous. Positive qualities, yes? Yes? You with me? All right. But I have news for you, church. Are you listening? Love is not going to always make us feel good. It's not. Let's look in 1 Corinthians 13, verse 6. Love does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Who is truth? Jesus. And another title for Jesus is the word. Turn with me to 2 Timothy 3, verse 6. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. Now let's unpack that for a second. The first portion of the text states that scripture is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong. The truth is we are all sinful and it's not all about us. As a matter of fact, we can take it a bit further. To say otherwise is an outright lie. It's not about us. It's not. And I realize for many of us, that's not easy to hear. What do you mean it's not about me? Well, then who is it about? It's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. It's not about us. And especially when we live in a world that perpetuates the notion, me, me, me. Oh, 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 don't forget, me. A world that places a specific amount of emphasis to convince us that we are awesome. We're awesome. As if God needs us. Newsflash. God does not need us. He doesn't need me. He doesn't need you. If he did, by definition alone, he would not be God. Amen? Amen. We are being spoon-fed this way of thinking. And when we are told the opposite, the truth, that we are not awesome and it's not all about us, it doesn't feel good. Because we are so attached to this world's version of truth. Hearing the actual truth is so jolting that we sometimes go into denial or even get defensive. Well, who are you to tell me what's wrong or right? Who are you to tell me that I am not awesome? I'm awesome. Hmm. You're being intolerant. You're being judgmental. Sound familiar? And if it was coming from me, 
as if, you know, I made the rules. I could understand that position of defensiveness. But I'm just like you, if not worse. So hearing that you're not awesome and that it's not all about you, that's not coming from Jamie Savannah. This is coming directly from the word of God. Romans 2, 23. For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standards. 1 John 1.10, excuse me. If we claim we have not sinned, we are calling God a liar and showing that his word has no place in our hearts. It's universal. No one's exempt. Every person on this planet is sinful. You're not awesome. It's not about you. We are sinful people. God does not need us. But I know someone. I know someone who was sinless, who was perfect, who loves us so much that he was crucified and died for every sin for the entire world. I know someone, not because he needs me or you, but because he loves us and he desires a relationship with us. It's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. A couple of years ago, in our men's discipleship group, we were doing a study on this book entitled Killing Kryptonite. It's by Pastor John Brevere. It's a really good book. I suggest if you have a chance, if you haven't read it already, check it out. In this book, he talks about the impact of known practiced sin, but also the importance of repentance. Known practice sin and repentance. And he uses this analogy that really resonated with me. He talks about this cliff and everyone's walking toward it. And at the end of this cliff, it's peril, it's death. No one could survive the fall. But there are a few who can see that cliff. Others can't because they are distracted by a different version of the truth. They don't see that cliff because they're focused on the rainbows and the butterflies. But you can see it. But if you tell them, hey, you're heading toward the cliff, you're going to die. You won't be popular. You won't be cool. You will hurt their feelings. But isn't that the truth? Isn't that the truth? You're heading towards your death. If I don't tell you that, and I tell you, sure, look at those rainbows and butterflies, you'll be fine. 
Is that love? Is that the truth? So I reiterate, hearing the truth is not going to always feel good. God's word says that it tells us when we're wrong and teaches us how to do what's right. So if we don't know, I'm sorry, if we do know what's wrong by God's standards, not the world, then we'll also know what's right by his standards. And see, for those who don't know Christ, their basis of comparison, their standards are pretty much what they see on TV and social media. They'll say, oh, I'm not an axe murderer, so I'm not sinning, I'm, I'm good. I'm not out hurting anybody, so I'm good. And they don't realize all the while they are jealous of their neighbor's new car or their new house. In God's eyes, in God's stand, by God's standards, that's sin. But if they don't know, then what? So again, it's important for us to know God's standards. It's one of the things that sets us apart. We know truth because we know Jesus. Truth has a name and a face, and that name is Jesus. The more we know him, the more easily we can recognize the truth in this crazy, conflicted culture. It's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. Bullet point number two, the truth is unchanging. Read with me. Hebrews 13 and 8. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus was the same at the beginning. He was the same when he walked the earth 2,000 years ago. And he is the same today as he sits at his throne. And because Jesus doesn't change the truth doesn't change either. The truth is absolute, and we, can, and, can, and we can depend on it every day of our lives. Every day of our lives. And this is why his unchanging nature is so deeply comforting. Read with me Matthew 7, verses 24 through 27. Anyone who listens to my teaching, and this is Jesus speaking, Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise, like a person who builds a house on solid rock. We just sang about that. Though the rains come in torrent and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it is built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish like a person who builds a house on sand. When the rains and floods come and the wind beats against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. Jesus' story illustrates how important our basis of truth, our foundation really is. If we choose to rest our lives on something that doesn't last, like the opinion of others, or the trends of culture, we will always have to pick up the pieces from broken relationships and unwarranted circumstances. 
But when we choose to build our lives on the solid, unshifting foundation of truth, trends, opinions, ebb and flow. Crazy things will happen, sometimes even in our own lives, but we stay standing. We endure. We can even be a beacon of stability for others. Jesus calls us to be what? Salt and light. Amen? Amen. Amen. Jesus invites us into a relationship with him, and he stays steady. Knowing the truth brings a steadiness into our lives, too. It's all about Jesus. Bullet point number three, the last one. Stay with me. Jesus is our source of life. You may not even realize that. He is our source of life. In John, we saw Jesus as the original. He is God and was with God at the beginning. That passage goes on to say in John 1, verses 3 and 4. Read with me. Through him, all things are made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. Life is found in Christ. And remember later in John's gospel, Jesus clearly states, I am the way and the truth and the life. This means both truth and life are found in Jesus. He is the source of both. John makes it clear in these passages that we cannot separate truth and life. So if we choose to reject Jesus as the truth, we are also rejecting him as the life. Because these components of his character aren't like an outfit that we can just assemble how we choose and desire. They are aspects of his eternal character, and they are unchanging. The decision to reject God as author of both life and truth of reality has devastating consequences. It does. And this is exactly what happened at the very beginning of the biblical narrative. Adam and Eve were given the ability to choose to live freely under God's prescribed reality or to redefine it to fit their own desires. Reality as God defined it allowed them to live in his perfect garden where they walked intimately with God and each other. Genesis 2 tells us that Adam and Eve were naked but knew no shame. But watch what happens. As soon as they tried to bend the truth to suit their own desires. Read with me Genesis 3 verses, Genesis 3, 8. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as, they were, as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. They hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Why were they hiding? Why were they hiding? They had done something that they weren't supposed to do, and they knew it. 
they deliberately, specifically chose to disobey God, knowing the truth has, and choosing to reject it has devastating consequences. Shame enters the story. So they hide from God. They hide from the God they were created to walk so closely with. They experienced the painful loss of the life God created us to have. Because when we cut ourselves off from truth, we cut ourselves off from life as well. Jesus is not only the source of truth as the original, but he is the source of life as well. It's a part of his, of his eternal nature. And the truth, believe it or not, is not oppressive. Lies imprison us. Truth frees us. The best lies are the ones that sound the truest. Things like, love is love. Yeah, love is love when it feels good, right? Come on now. Is it just me? Love is love when it feels good. When those hard times come and you're forced to make those tough decisions, is love love then? Come on. Come on. Jesus is not only the source of truth as the original, but he is the source of life as well. John 8, 31, 32. Jesus said to the people who believed in him, you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Did you catch that? Knowing the truth sets us free. And this freedom is a result of our proximity to and trust in Jesus. See, walking in truth isn't just adhering to a list of rules. It's enjoying a relationship with the Savior, with the liberator of captives himself. When preaching in the synagogue early on in his ministry, Jesus quotes the prophet Isaiah, Luke 14, 18. And this is Jesus talking. The spirit of the Lord is on me. Just as he anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor, he has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind and to set the oppressed free. Jesus goes on plainly to say in this description of the Messiah that it's his biography. This is who he is and why he came to set people free. So please don't buy into the ancient lie that tempts you to reject the truth, thinking that it's going to hold you back. It doesn't. Truth has a face, and it's Jesus, the one who releases us even from our own self-made prisons. Amen. So how can we be sure if something is in fact true? How can we? 
Well, let's hold it up to the original. Does it look like Jesus? Is it consistent with his character and his nature? All the things we just talked about. Is it consistent with Jesus? If it is, then it's consistent with truth because they're one and the same. Amen? Amen. So I'd like you to think about the fruit of the idea that you're wrestling with. Where does it lead? What are the results? Truth leads to freedom and life, not shame and imprisonment. Maybe you've heard the phrase, do whatever makes you happy. Anyone else heard that? Do whatever makes you happy. No? Just me. All right. Like, you know, God cares about me so much that I should be able to do what makes me happy. It's all about me, right? But here's the thing. Jesus never said, do what makes you happy. He calls us. He commands us to be holy like he is holy. And that's going to cost you. That's going to cost you. If anyone tells you that being a Christian is easy, they have not read a Bible. And that tells you automatically that they're lying. Ask his, ask his apostles. Ask his disciples, because his disciples are us. It's not easy. It's going to cost you. It could cost you relationships, family, friends. It can cost you popularity, going against the grain. We're not called to look like the rest of the world. In it, but not of it. We heard Jesus say that this is not his kingdom. Amen? Amen. Amen. It's going to cost you. So, if your walk with Christ, your Christianity hasn't cost you anything, I'll stop right there. Jesus honestly prepares us for this by saying, in this world, we will experience trouble, but we can take heart because he has overcome the world. As I close, I think about John 16.33. And the text before that Jesus is sitting down talking to his disciples, explaining to them that he's going to be leaving him, leaving them soon. He's talking about his crucifixion, his death, and that that act that seems really bad is actually what's going to open the door to glory for all of us. Read with me. John 16, 33. I have told you all this so that you may have peace 
in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. It's all about Jesus. Jesus is relational. He is pursuing you. Jesus is unchanging, and his love for you is unchanging. It's perfect. And Jesus is life-giving. It's all about Jesus. As we prepare our hearts for communion, I'm going to invite Brother Laz back up to lead us. Amen? Jesus tells us to do this in remembrance of what he's done for us on the cross. You know, only each individual person here can knows that. I know my own faults. I can't tell you, Mr. Jamie, or Brother Pat's or anybody else is here. But he says to remember him for what he's done for you personally. It's a relationship, like Mr. Jamie was saying. Um, so many things that were taking place on this day, on the Last Supper. He knew he was going to be betrayed. He knew uh, he knew he was going to have to be a, uh, his body was going to have to be broken for us, for you, for me, for the forgiveness of our sins, right? So as we partake in in his body, which symbolizes this bread broken for us. We thank you, Jesus, for all that you've done. And his blood, which was the sign of a covenant between God and, and Israel, he, there had to have been a sacrifice to, to, to make it happen. He says no longer is are we Jew or Gentile? We are all one in Christ Jesus now. And he says, by, by this blood that was spilled for you. Remember me for, for what we've done, for what I've done. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Uh, I'd like to pray us out. Uh, just remember the truth. The truth will set you free. If you know the truth, if you get in your word, that truth will set you free from anything, from any affliction, from any trial. There will be, there will be uh, some things that take place in our lives, but it's expected. Jesus went through it, so we should expect the exact same. So let us pray. 
Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord. We thank you for all that you've done for us. We thank you, Lord, for wiping away every sin, Lord. While we were still sinners, Lord, you died for us. And on that third day, Lord, you conquered death once and for all. And we thank you, Jesus, for taking our place, Lord. We deserved it, but you love us so much, Lord. You stepped in place for us, Father God, and we thank you. Father God, we pray over, over the church, Lord. We pray that they would leave here, Lord, just blessed by your word, that, the, the, that your truth would, would be planted in, in their hearts, Lord, that they would take everything that we all have learned today and be doers of your word, Father, not just hearers, Father God. We pray that they would have a blessed week. We pray that uh, they would just be safe getting to, to, their, to their, their resting place, Lord. And we thank you, Jesus. In your precious name, amen. All right. We love you, church. God bless you. Have a wonderful week.